You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. It's good to see you. I ask you to please take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3 is where we'll be today. Really grateful for Pastor Barry last week um, preaching and just was blessed by his word. And it was just so good to, to hear him. I, he's one of my favorite preachers on the planet. And my sermon today is really kind of a continuation of his, just taking the right, the text right, right after his. And we're going to see what the writer of Hebrews, what he's calling us to by the Holy Spirit on how to keep looking to Jesus. Kind of said, this is the theme of the book of Hebrews, that we keep looking to Christ no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, and how to keep journeying through the Christian life. It is by looking to Jesus Christ. And so we'll look at Hebrews 3 beginning in verse 7. And if you're there in your Bible or your device, as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. And begin in verse 7. And the Holy Spirit says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now by your great mercy, by your great kindness. Would you help us to hear your voice from your word and to not harden our hearts this time? Help us. Help us, Lord. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't go to Starbucks very often. But when I do, I usually get frustrated. And it's not because my drink is wrong or they spell my name wrong or anything like that. It's because they're usually pretty busy. And I wish I could hop back there and help out. Because many moons ago, I used to don a green apron and I know how to steam milk. I know how to sling espresso. I actually worked at the Tomball Starbucks. I was one of the first people to ever work there. Worked there for like three or four years. And sometimes I just like, I wish I could just go back there and just help them out. Just help them get through this rush. But I don't work there. I, I did, but I left it behind. I can't go back there and say, hey, look, I, I work here. Uh, let me in. I, I don't. I did. I could tell them, hey, go in the break room. There's a picture of the first employees. I'm up there. Let me back. But I don't work there anymore. There is a real danger in the Bible Belt. And we hear things like this. I prayed a prayer as a kid, 
Of course I'm a Christian. But this person doesn't love Jesus, doesn't want to love Jesus, doesn't want to follow Jesus, isn't a part of a church, doesn't read their Bible, doesn't live in Christian community, and so on and so forth. And you hear things like, well, I grew up in church, so of course I'm going to heaven. But what about today? Not what you grew up in, not what you prayed at some point in your life. What about today? Hebrews chapter 3 is telling us we should not put any confidence in our past experiences. I read the Bible. I, I joined a church. I went on a mission trip. While those things may be legit fruit, they may be legit fruit, but they also may be like fake fruit in a model home where no one lives there and it's all staged. Rather, we find assurance in where we are today with Jesus, what we believe today about Jesus, what we love today, who Jesus is today. Because look at verse 7. Look at how often he emphasizes today. Verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice. Verse 13. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today. Verse 15. Today, if you hear his voice. So today, today, every day, today, What this text is bringing to our hearts and to our minds right in front of us is, what is your today towards Jesus? Are you with him? Do you have a heart for him? Do you want to honor him? you want to love him? you want to worship him? you want want to obey him? Because remember the context of Hebrews. These Jewish believers, they're tempted to go back to Judaism. They think it'd be easier on them, the persecution they're getting, the personal problems they're encountering by following Christ. They can, if they went back to Judaism, which was protected by the Roman government, they could avoid persecution. So they think it won't be a big deal. They can say, hey, they're thinking, we said we believe and have faith in Jesus. We believe he saved us, and it'll be fine for us to go back to the temple. Do you see the nonsense that is? You can't with integrity say, I believe Jesus' death and his resurrection was the final sacrifice and payment for my sins, but I'm still going to go to the temple and offer a goat. What does that show? It shows you don't really believe Jesus died for your sins, that he really was the final sacrifice for your sins. So friends, what does your life show? What does your life show? And, And maybe you've sinned Big in 2016. Maybe even this past week, you let yourself down, you let others down. But when the Bible says today, 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 it's also reminding us that today his mercies are new for you. Today his mercies are new every morning, if you want them. Today is also a fresh arrival of God's mercy, if you'll turn from your sin. And and if you'll look to Jesus, and if you'll follow him today, if you will pick up your cross daily and follow him, he'll save you. We keep looking to Jesus. This is the whole Christian life. This is really the theme of the book of Hebrews. The whole Christian life is that we keep looking to Jesus. And one of the reasons why we must keep looking to Jesus is because there is a really grave spiritual danger right around the corner. And it's a potential heart disease, a hardening of the spiritual arteries. Hardness of hearts. Look at verse 13. That's the big warning in verse 13. Encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you, why, may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
And this is what was said in verse 15. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The very first thing we read, verse 7 and 8. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So a hard heart is our danger. And the heart is the real us, not just what we know. The heart is the real us, the kind of mission control of our lives. The danger is it becoming a brick. Becoming a hard heart is an unresponsive heart. It doesn't react. It hears God's commands, doesn't care. It reads what God says, doesn't care. Hears the counsel of a brother or sister in Christ, of their spouse, doesn't care. Doesn't respond, doesn't turn. It, doesn't, it also doesn't respond in joy over the gospel. So how do we fend off a hardness of heart? There are, in this passage, there are really two hearing aids the Bible gives us on how to avoid a hard heart. And what's the first one? First one is we hear his voice, the Bible. Look at verse seven. Verse seven. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is in the rebellion. Here in verse seven and eight, all the way down through verse 11, he's quoting Psalm 95. And it's interesting that as he quotes Psalm 95, we don't know who wrote Psalm 95. He doesn't say, as the psalmist says. Rather, he says, as the Holy Spirit says. Because when we hear the Bible, we hear the voice of God. Today, if you hear his voice. These are not just printed words. These are not just published in some factory this is not just the writer of Psalm 95. This is not just the writer of the book of Hebrews. When we hear the Bible, we read the Bible, we are hearing the divine voice of God himself to you. And it says, as the Holy Spirit says. The Bible is the God-breathed, Holy Spirit-spoken, Christ-centered word. And Hebrews has a lot of ifs. Do you see the, the first if in our passage, verse 7? Today, if you hear his voice, then he quotes Psalm 95. What does it mean if you hear his voice? It means that you can read the Bible and not hear his voice. You, you can hear the Bible and not hear the voice of God if you treat the Bible as a dry, non-relevant, or occasionally relevant, pick and choose what you like, moralistic guidebook to life. That is a way to guarantee you do not hear the voice of God. That is a deadly approach to life makes us a prime target for the ancient powers to deceive us and to corrode our hearts. This is why when Jesus is teaching in the Gospels and he says either a parable or he says something provocative and he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a curious phrase, isn't it? He who has ears to hear. Everyone there hearing him has ears to hear. So what does he mean? He means that some of you are hearing me, but you're not listening. Some of you are hearing what I'm saying, but you're not hearing what I'm really saying. So if you are hearing, listen. If you have ears to hear, hear the voice of God. Is this how you view the Bible? Is it a voice in your life, an authoritative and the most authoritative and the loudest voice in your life? And it must be the most authoritative voice because God is the divine supreme being and by his grace, he is communicating to us what he has called us to. And he's communicating to us what he's given us. And he's showing us what he's inviting us into. Do you hear the voice of God in the Bible? Is that how you view it? If so, do not harden your heart. That's the next thing. If you hear his voice, 
They'll be casual. Rather, do not harden your hearts. Respond to the word. Respond to God's voice. How often are we like a little two-year-old when we tell them, Johnny, don't grab that bowl off the coffee table. And Johnny just looks at you, hears you, thinks about it. Johnny, Johnny, I told you. How often are we just like this little boy? We hear God say, don't do X, Y, Z. And we harden our hearts. We don't respond to his voice. And then we do X, Y, Z. And how often do we see God say, do X, Y, Z, do these things. And we harden our hearts. We don't respond to his voice. And we don't do X, Y, Z. Last week, Barry's sermon was about considering Christ. And this is kind of a, a adding on to how do we consider Christ? Consider his voice. We consider the word. Friends, we must be people of the book. We need regular intake of God's word. It's, it's a new year and it's a great time. A lot of people renew their commitment to reading the Bible and I encourage you to do the same. We have plans on the website. We put stuff on Facebook. Just any, any bobbering plan, get into it. Because you need to be hearing God's voice. His voice is more important in your life than any other voice you hear. This book, his voice, it's more important than anything you'll hear on sports radio on your way to work. His voice is more important than hearing Joanna Gaines' voice on your DVR. His voice is more important than any political pundit or any pop star or any even sermon podcasts. Because the way we fend off hardness of heart is by hearing his word and, and hearing for living. We don't read for reading's sake. We don't hear for hearing's sake. We don't check a box just because, okay, I did it. I read it. Boom, I check it. That's not why we do it. The Bible is God's voice for life. It's literature for living. And he gives this example in the Old Testament of how they did not live. Look at verse 8. Now he reminds them of the Exodus. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, this wandering in the wilderness from Exodus where your fathers put me to the test. They saw my works for 40 years. I was provoked to that generation. So they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. They shall not enter my rest. He reminds them of what happened to them after they left Egypt. They too didn't listen to his voice. They hardened their hearts against God and against Moses. And they were ready to go back to Egypt. They rebelled against God. And here's really the kicker. It's in verse 10. They have not known my ways. I mean, they saw God the 10 plagues in Egypt. They saw God split the sea. They saw bread fall down from the sky. They saw water burst forth from a rock. And they still rebelled against God because they didn't know his ways. They saw God do amazing things, but they didn't know his ways. They didn't know his mercy. They didn't know his kindness. They didn't know his grace. Beloved, do you know God's mercy and benevolence towards you? Do you neglect his kindness? Do you know the ways of God? You know you know the ways of God if it leads to faithfulness. That's what he says in verse 10. They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Do you know why they go astray? It's because they don't know my ways. They don't believe my ways. It didn't matter that they saw the great work of God. It didn't matter they experienced the exodus. 
Didn't matter that they saw thunder and lightning and a voice from the mountain. They still wanted a golden calf. And we're the same. We hear his voice and we still want our little idols. We still want what we want. Because when we don't believe God, it always leads to unfaithfulness. And there's a, this is why this is a warning for us. So why, why mention all of this? Why bring all of this up? Verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So why mention all this? He's mentioning to us as a warning, take care that you don't fall away like them. A better translation would be something like, watch out, brothers and sisters, that you don't become like them. That in any of you, there's not this evil and unbelieving heart leading you to what? Verse 12, fall away from the living God. Fall away from the living God is not my favorite translation of that because that kind of sounds passive. Like, oh, I, I tripped and I fell and that wasn't my fault. I, I fell. That's not the most helpful way. R- really, it is a, a turning an active abandoning, abandoning of God's word, a turning from God's word, a turning from God's ways, a turning from God himself. And the ESV helps a little bit by saying that this evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, it is something that you do. And this is a real warning and he's speaking it to the whole church, casting a net to everyone in there to watch your heart. And so today, everyone, we should be hearing from God himself saying, watch, take care, watch out. Let there not be an evil, unbelieving heart in you and in me. He casts it out to everyone because he doesn't know who this is true of. Neither do I, neither do you, but it's a reality that there are people in our church who think they are Christians and that are not. And an unbelieving heart is a heart that doesn't believe Jesus really did die for my sins and that he really did rise again from the dead and that we really do follow him today thinking that some prayer you prayed, recited in fourth grade or, or a confirmation in a Catholic or Lutheran church, that, that that's enough fruit for your salvation. Not your heart today, not your faith today, not who Jesus is today. That is great cause for alarm. Matt Chandler, pastor in Dallas, he, he says, one of the hardest things about ministry in the Bible Belt is ministry among people who think they are Christians but are not. Listen, this is not, this won't be popular to say, but it's true and it must be said. And it might be true for some of you in this room. That's why I say it. Some of you, it won't be true for, but maybe you'll know people it's true about. Listen, if, if you doubt having salvation and you only want Jesus enough so you don't go to hell, but you don't want Jesus to rule your life, you don't want to follow Jesus, you should doubt your salvation. You absolutely should. I can't offer you any assurance, and neither would the Bible, because that's a rich young ruler kind of faith. If you're not familiar with this guy in the Gospels, he's the rich young ruler, and he, that's what they call him, he comes up to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what do I got to do so I don't have to go to hell? And Jesus says, okay, Do this, this, and this. He goes, oh, I've done that. I've done that since I was a kid. 
what else do I need to do? So Jesus really presses into him and says, why don't you sell all that you have? Give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Follow me. Jesus approached two things with him. Your idol of your money and what you really need to do is follow me. And he walked away sad because he didn't want to do it. If all we want is Jesus just to make sure we don't go to hell, but we don't want to follow him now, honor him now, we don't want to pick up our cross daily and follow him now. If you don't want to follow Jesus, you have your answer. But you should go to the Lord yourself if you're doubting. And you should go to him and see if you're in him. And if you are not, Don't be like the rich young ruler and walk away sad. Rather, turn from your sins and go to him for the first time. And I I can assure you of this. And if you really do want Jesus to save you, he will save you on his terms, not yours. We cannot come to Christ on our terms. He is not diluting the cost of discipleship for anyone in this room. But he is inviting us into salvation on his terms. Faith in him. Repentance toward him, following him. And also, friends, even now, do not harden your hearts. If you feel challenged and your pride will say, I'm fine. He doesn't know me. I'm fine. He's being way too harsh. Listen, don't harden your hearts. If you hear his voice, listen. If you do want to honor Christ, you you can have real assurance as a believer. If you really do want to honor Christ and and you do want to hold firm to the end, be assured and and hold on. We see really two examples in the Gospels of people following Christ. Even among the 12 disciples, you have Judas who betrayed and abandoned Christ, never turned back. And then you have Peter who he betrayed and he abandoned Christ and he fell away, but he repented and came back. We can be Peter. Yes, we sin. Yes, we struggle. But real Christians hold firm till the end. So what's your heart towards Jesus today? Is Jesus the sacred center of your life? Or is he a relic of spirituality past? He was, he was good for a moment of comfort in your life from your guilt. You got it and then you moved on. But listen, this is real Christianity. It's a present faith in the past work of Christ. It is a present faith in the past work of Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins and rising again from the dead, and then now us following him into eternity. That's real Christianity, and you can have it today. Today. Hear his voice. So how do we keep our hearts from hardening? Hear his voice. Follow him. Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you so that our hearts won't be hardened and we want to follow him. And the second one, this last one, it can't be overlooked and it's often overlooked and it's often undervalued. So we hear his voice in the Bible and also we hear his people, fellow believers. Look at verse 13. So if we're to take care that we don't fall away, we don't turn, we don't get this evil, unbelieving heart, 13, also we do this, but exhort one another. Every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you 
may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So a God-given antidote to hardness of heart, to unbelief, to rebellion are the voices of God's people. Fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, Christian spouse, Christian parents, Christian siblings, Christian friends, they are an anti-clot medicine because we can't watch our hearts on our own. We're not, we're not meant to. We need the exhortation. This word exhortation, it isn't, it, sometimes it kind of sounds negative, but it really is a positive. It really just means encouragement. We need encouragement from one another. We need encouragement to follow Christ from each other. We need, we need continual encouragement that we really are forgiven. When we sin big and we feel condemned and we feel ashamed, we need a brother or sister in Christ to encourage us that we really are forgiven. That we need to be encouraged that we do have new life in the crucified and risen Christ. We need to be encouraged that we are not identified by our sins, past, present, or future, but that we're identified in Christ. We need to be encouraged that we are not the sum of our success or the sum of our failures, but that we are in Christ. And we need, we need to be encouraged to not be deceived by sin. Because that's the great danger, that, you, that none of you would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. As soon as you read that, you know it rings true. We know what sins are, but why do we do them? Because we were deceived, just like Eve, just like Adam. We get deceived by sin. But this ministry of encouragement can help us. And notice, it's a ministry of encouragement. Encourage one another. It's not one of guilting. It doesn't say, but guilt one another every day. As long as it's called today. That won't help anybody. It doesn't say, but shame one another every day. Make one another feel bad. Embarrass one another. This is a lot of the strategies in Bible Belt accountability groups. Shame, guilt, wag a finger at each other. This does not help anyone. But encourage one another every day. This is the ministry we all need, and this is the one ministry we can all give. Not all of us can be teachers. Not all of us can sing well. Not all of us can serve in certain ways. Not all of us can do all of the things that the Bible lays out of spiritual gifts. So we can all do this one. And how often do we need this? What does the Bible say? What's the timetable for this kind of thing? Encourage one another every day. Every day. Daily. I'm so struck by this. We should be. In, in a few ways. When it says every day, this really shows us how much we need it. Think of all the things that you need every day. Food, drink, rest, encouragement. So how long does it take for us to get discouraged? Less than 24 hours. Every day. However much we think we need this, our estimations are way off. We need it way more than we think we do. And those other Christians, you know, they need it more than they think they do. And they need it more than we think they do. Second, so if it only takes 24 hours for us to be discouraged, how, how long does it take for us to be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin? How long can we play with sin until we make a decision that really messes things up? One sunrise and one sunset. 24 hours, that's all it's going to take. 
for us to be duped by sin. You know this is true. You've seen it. I've had people look me in the face and say, the Holy Spirit's leading me to divorce my spouse. That is being deceived by the deceitfulness, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You hear it all the time. Oh, I know the Bible says fornication is wrong, but we're different. And, and, and we love each other, and I know God will forgive us. Or I know I shouldn't commit adultery, but you don't understand my situation. I know the Bible says to be kind and to forgive, but if you knew what they did, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And listen, we, we all have pockets of this in our hearts things that we want to justify, things that we want to give a past, our anger and our, our resentment and our, our use of alcohol and our gluttony and our envy and our materialism that we baptize as hard work. And we, we can go on and on with all the things that we just try to trick ourselves in. But God has given us his word, his voice, and his people to encourage us to honor Christ to combat sin, to fight against temptation, to, to, to fight against the hardening of our hearts and to encourage each other to honor Christ. That Christian community isn't just to get together and have a nice Bible study and learn some neat things. It's to help fight the good fight of faith, to help each other not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we need daily. The word actually means daily, every day. It's not hyperbole. This is not one of those, you know, cut off your hand, gouge out your eye kind of things. This is every day. The satanic powers, they don't take days off. I've never read anywhere of a demon having a weekend. So for us, Sunday and two hours in a small group, that isn't enough to wage spiritual warfare. Daily. Daily hearing of, of God's voice in the word. Daily hearing of encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ. And everyone's in this ministry. Every single one of us. And I've sometimes new people come to the church or, or they've been here for a while and looking for a place to serve. And it's a good question. You hear things like, How, what can I do? How can I serve at Redeemer? I don't know where I fit in. I don't know how I plug in. I don't know how to use what God's given me. What do I do? This is it. If you are a Christian, you have this ministry. You don't need to take a class. You don't need to sign a form. If you are in Christ, you have this ministry to encourage one another. As long as, so how long, what's, should I do this like a semester? How long? As long as it is called today. This is your ministry to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. You, this is it. You have it. You don't have to wonder anymore. I don't know what God's calling me to do. This. Hebrews 3.13 is our ministry. So who, who can you do this for in your life? Who will you do this for? Who's doing this for you? How will you, how will you do what this verse is asking for? It's not a suggestion. It's, it's a command. And so how can we do this daily? I mean, this is more challenging for us in our context compared to these Hebrew Christians because they lived in a much smaller city, they probably lived in much closer proximity to one another. They probably saw each other a lot more often. In a suburban context, it's busy, it's quick, it's hustle, there's hobbies and kids' sports. I mean, it can be tough. So how, how can we do this daily? We have technology, God's grace. We can text, we can call. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul had text messages? 
Imagine if he had Twitter. Imagine if he had Facebook. We can email. We can call. We can post encouraging things. Daily effort and time towards encouraging others. So, so can we have a mutual resolution for 2017? No more dumb things on social media. Let's, let's just push, let's put more out there about Christ, more out there about the Bible. And no, one needs, no one needs to know and no one cares about how angry you are about the lines of H-E-B. Everybody knows the lines are bad at H-E-B. Everybody knows the lines that Kroger and Tomball are bad. It's Kroger. It's Tomball. It's bad. Of course traffic's bad in Houston. It's Houston. So let's bring John the Baptist into our social media use. We decrease, him increase. Less about our frustrations, less about how we're disappointed, less about all these things, and more encouraging one another towards Christ. So, so who are you encouraged today? Today, we must obey this. Tomorrow, as long as it's called today, until Christ returns, we must do this. And so I'm studying and I'm convicted by this passage because I can be a lot more introverted, a lot more just to myself. And so I'm reading this going, I got I to gotta do something with this. If Christ really is my Lord, I can't just affirm this is true and do nothing about it. I must do something with it. So, all right, I'm going to text a couple guys. I know we're on the same reading plan together. Texted them, just said, hey, Jesus is alive for us. I thought this would be a good time for us to remember that. 30 seconds to encourage someone. Can you do that? I think everybody would be glad to receive a text like that. I don't know anyone that would be annoyed by that kind of text message. And, and I can't stand group text messages. So I, even I won't be annoyed by that kind of group text. We can do this for each other's joy in Christ. You know why? Because verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ. So why should we do this? We have come to share in Christ. We're together in this. We are mutual benefactors of who Christ is. We're, we are co-heirs together with Christ. We are receiving the kingdom together with Christ. The same rewards that you get, I get. The same rewards that Augustine and Martin Luther and the Apostle Paul get, you and I get. We, we share together in the life of Christ. So we now are responsible for each other. You remember when Cain and Abel happened and he says, am I my brother's keeper? The point is, yes, you are. For now, we, we share in Christ. But look at what he says. If we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is another big if. How do we know who the Christians are? If they stay with Christ till the end. So he's telling the Hebrew Christians, you can't just say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm gonna go back to Judaism. No, you hold your original confidence firm to the end. But Pastor Jeff, I thought you said we shouldn't put any hope or any confidence in a prayer we prayed or a baptism or, or what we did, our confirmation class. I thought you said we shouldn't do that. And here he says, Hold your original confidence firm to the end. How do those things mesh? Very easily. If you're a Christian, your original confidence was not in a prayer you recited, but in a crucified and resurrected Christ. Your original confidence is not in a baptism. Your original confidence is not in something you've heard, not a, not a sermon. Your original confidence is that Christ is the God-man who died for my sins paid for them, and he rose again from the dead, and we hold that firm till the end. Notice it says we hold it firm till the end. There is no doubt there will be lapses. There will be periods of doubt. There will be struggles with sin, just like Peter. 
but Peter held it firm to the end. Yes, there are college years where our, our kids doubt and struggle and fight. There are years in our lives where we can look back and go, man, I was so given into sin and I was so deceived. And You can have real assurance. Hold it firm till the end. You know, the early church, when they were being persecuted, they were persecuted so horribly. This one Roman governor, Pliny, he was gathering up Christians to arrest them. And he writes about how he found a group of people who he thought were Christians. And he said, are you Christians? I've heard you are Christians. And they said, no, we're not. We, we used to be, but we abandoned it. We left it. We don't go to their love feasts. We don't go sing their songs. We don't eat his flesh and blood. We're out of that. It's weird. And he said he knew that sometimes Christians would have fear and that they would make a mistake. So he would say, okay, if you're not, then blaspheme Christ right now. And worship Caesar with me right now. What would you do? If you're a real Christian, you know, I can't. I can never blaspheme Christ. And he knew real Christians would never blaspheme Christ. They may mess up for a moment, but they would never worship Caesar. They would never blaspheme Christ. Because those who have been raised with Christ our periods of doubt don't last. Our prodigalness doesn't last. We return to Christ and we can't fall away because we are being held by God. As John 10 says, they are in my hand and no one can snatch them out of my hand. We hold firm to the end because Christ is holding on to us. Like when you hold a little baby, you're holding that little baby. I remember holding my son Oliver and Ivy and they're holding on to your shirt and they, they would let go. Or like they do that like scared backbend thing where they feel like they're having a bad dream or whatever. They're not going to fall. If they let go of me, are, are they in danger? No. I, I've got them. And they come back and lay down and nestle and grab up. This is how it is with us with God. We can only hold on to him because he's holding on to us. People who are in Christ Hold firm till the end. Confidence in prayer isn't enough. Confidence in baptism or even confidence in faith isn't enough. Only confidence in Christ, in Christ alone. If you're Christ, if Christ is your confidence today, hold firm. And let's encourage one another to keep holding on to Christ all the way till the end, avoiding the hard heart of sin so that we can have a fresh heart towards Christ. This is what we're after encouraging one another every day to have a fresh heart towards Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.